We've got another episode free of any coronavirus talk for you today, all recorded before any of this came down. So uh, enjoy the lack of coronavirus. Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Our co-host, Carla Joe Helms, has the day off today. And uh, today we'll be talking with Alexandra Watkins of Eat My Words about how to create brand names that stick. Alexandra is the author of the branding bestseller, Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick, and the founder of Eat My Words, a creative naming firm behind brand names, including Burger King's new Mac and Cheetos and many others that will... Uh, We'll be talking about as well. I don't want to name drop too much here for you, Alexandra, but uh, thank you for, for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. So before we jump into the um, how to create brand names that stick, and I guess let me just give a couple overriding points so the listeners know what we'll be covering. We're going to be covering things like what not to do when creating a brand name, how to, I think you have some processes specifically for creating brand names. Uh, we'll be talking about domains and, and how to select a domain. And I think you have a lot of really useful information in, uh, in that area that'll save people a lot of anxiety maybe when, when looking for a product or a company domain. Um, but first, before we get into all that, let's talk about you and how did you end up running a naming firm. I don't think a lot of people growing up say, you know what I'm going to do is come up with that, you know, who's the boss, the woman on who's the boss. I think that's kind of what she was, uh, <laughs> that advertising niche of just, just the name of the product. When I was in eighth grade, I fell in love with advertising. I used to, instead of having posters of David Cassidy and Sean Cassidy and Leif Garrett on my wall of my bedroom, I tore out ads out of magazines that I thought had good headlines and made me smile. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people can say that. <laughs> I really lucked out. I got into advertising and was a copywriter for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And every once in a while, I would get thrown a bone and get to name something. I love naming things, but I had no idea that naming was actually a profession, as most people don't. Who knew? When I mean, there's I just, probably a dozen people around the world that really do it for a job. So that's why it's not really a profession. It's a unicorn. And only yeah. a couple of you get to do it. Well, there, there are naming firms, but there's not a lot of people that can make a living just doing that. And when I discovered that naming was a profession and I told everyone, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to name things. And, you know, people said, oh, you can't just name things. You have to do other things too. And yeah, watch me. It's you can't just fun. name things. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So I switched from advertising to branding. Naming falls under branding and built a name for myself, so to speak. Built a naming name for yourself. How do you get people to actually, I mean, everybody wants to do that. Every guy working a blue collar job looks at something and says some funny pun name for it and says, you know, and thinks they could be a stand-up comedian and they could name things for a living and looks at the commercial and what some product name was and thinks they have a better name. How do you get, how do you get good at that? And how do you get people to actually say, yes, you are one of the dozen people worldwide that we will let actually do this for a living? 
I just, I was that person and I just figured out a way to, to turn it into a business. When I was freelancing for all of these big naming firms and branding firms, what I realized is most of these firms, pretty much all of them, hire people from academia, linguists, to create names. And coming from advertising, I was used to coming up with creative things and making headlines that had emotional connections with consumers. And I realized that a name is just like a little headline. And it can have that same magic effect as an ad if it's clever. So I just started creating names like that and, you know, it took a while, but, you know, it's been 15 years now that I've had Eat My Words and how people decide to hire us is they, look, Sky, nobody comes to a naming firm unless they have tried it on their own, usually for about six months. And by then they're pulling their hair out and they just say, you do it for me. Or right. someone might read my book and see all of the good names we've come up with and just think, yeah, you know what? You do this. You do it. Because look, we all have our skills and talents, right? So that's how I've been able to create this dream job. When you do a bad enough job at something as sim apparently small, as putting the name on something like you make the amazing product or the great idea, everything's put together and you have to have the name. When you do a bad enough job at that and it causes things to belly flop enough times, eventually you say, all right, who does this? Who's, who's done this? Well, cause you, you start to realize I suck at naming things. I think this name is awesome. And then we put it out there and it's horrific. Um, I need somebody who won't suck at this. And then they look out there and they see, Oh, there's a handful of people who are really good at it. Look at all these names they've come up with. Seems so simple when you see the name. And then you try to make something yourself and you realize it just doesn't come to you. Um, can you name off some of the things? I know you've got some stuff in your past that's so big you can't even name it um, because companies own those and are very protective of the names. But can you name off some of the company names and product names that you, you have, uh, have been either involved with or came up with? Sure. Uh, you mentioned Mac and Cheetos for Burger King, and we actually work with Frito-Lay on that one. I named the Neato Robotic Vacuum. One of my favorite names that we've come up with, and look, we've been doing this for 15 years. Not all companies have survived, but one of my favorites was a GPS for dogs that we named Retriever. A frozen yogurt franchise named Spoon Me. I saw that. That's one of my favorites. Also, Church of Cupcakes. That's Church an awesome of Cupcakes, movie. yes. And one of my all-time favorites is a Spanish language school in Cali, Colombia that I named Gringo Lingo. Nice. Nice. I also see Power Supply, a meal delivery to gyms. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. That's so feeding off that, what are the important elements of a name? I mean, I see something like power supply. Okay, you have the word power that fits in with gyms. It also kind of, it's tying the product and the general feel together. Is that, I guess, rather than me stumble around and try to guess, um, <laughs> and, and you can't tell me, no, you're wrong. Um, what are the important elements that people need to think of? Is there a process? How does this whole thing work? Okay. Well, and I'll tell you for a minute about power supply. That started out as a paleo meal delivery service to gyms. So these were, you know, the cavemen and they needed, they needed their power. So a lot of times with, with names, with the clever name, it's taking a familiar phrase 
and applying a new meaning to it, like power supply, right? That's not what we're expecting when we hear that name, but it makes sense. They're supplying these meals to gyms. When you come up with a name, there are five qualities that make a name awesome, and that is part of my uh, book is it's all based on my philosophy. A name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. The names that I just rattled off, those make people smile. I know I've, see, I've, done enough, I've seen enough people's faces when I say a name like Gringo Lingo to see them just break out into that grin. So smile, So my, that's my philosophy. And I created a checklist for people to go through based on that. It's called the Smile and Scratch Test. And SMILE is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name awesome. Scratch is the acronym for when to scratch it off your list because it makes you scratch your head. So let's, you want to go through smile? Absolutely. Yeah. And I assume scratch, that's a great brand name in itself. In <laughs> that, I know anytime you confuse people in marketing, that's the worst thing you can do. Confusion oh. is, is terrible. One of the worst things you can do. No, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Your name should not be ambiguous or confusing. I agree. So the S in SMILE stands for suggestive, and I don't mean suggestive in a naughty way. I mean suggestive as in it evokes something about your brand. It, it makes a hint to it. Right. Uh, so you might have a name that sounds awesome, but if it has nothing to do with what you do or who you are as a brand, it sounding awesome, the domain being available doesn't really make it a winner. Right. So here's one of those names. It, uh, this was for a cannabis confections company that was targeted at women of a certain age who, and this is a couple of years ago when the company started, uh, they, these women would not be caught dead walking into a dispensary. Back then, the dispensaries were pretty dirty. There was nothing kind of uh, chic and glamorous as I believe there are now. So the name that I named the, the, comp the company that sells these confections is Garden Society. So it makes nice. a hint, right? Mm -hmm. It suggests something and it's got that wink, wink of like, oh, garden society. So that's fun for the ladies. Uh, another suggestive name that I really like is Impossible Foods, mm -hmm. makers of the Impossible Burger, which we're all hearing about now. They have it at Burger King and White Castle. And how did they make meat in a lab? It sounds impossible, but they did it. So that's a suggestive name. I see some others here. I mean, you said suggestive, you were saying how it needs to be suggestive, but I see one in particular uh, on a list of names you've come up with here called hand job. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that is one now. Of <laughs> so sometimes they, they can be. So can you tell us what hand job is? Sure. Hand job is a nail salon in San Francisco in the Castro district, uh, right down the street from Harvey Milk's old camera shop. It plays well in the neighborhood. And it's just a fun, cheeky name. And it's one of those names I call, it's like Garden Society. It's a wink, wink name, meaning that if a kid, if a child saw it, they wouldn't necessarily know that it had that kind of naughty factor to it. And if, when you see it and see it's a nail spa, then you see, oh, uh -huh, you got me to think one way, but that's not what it is. If it was a mm -hmm. massage parlor, then it would be inappropriate, maybe. <laughs> but as a nail spa, it's like, oh, I'm the one thinking that. You, know, you, you did exactly. that to me, but it's, it's, still, it's still appropriate. That's, exactly. Uh, that's, that's a great one. That's a great one. Okay, sorry. So I was, I was throwing you off here. You had suggestive as the first one. Uh, yeah. 
and, and I'll just quickly say uh, for suggestive names, uh, some really great examples uh, that for people to think about are metaphorical names. Car companies do this really well with SUVs. So Denali, Yukon, uh, Range Rover, uh, Explorer. So mm -hmm. anything that sounds, uh, it's visually evocative or evocative. And it sounds rugged. You wouldn't take an SUV and name it something like Flash. That's a right. car. Um, maybe not a great, I, I'm not a good name maker. No, so. no, but it's true. It's true. That's a good example. Uh, fragrance companies also do it well. You know, desire, euphoria, passion. So those are all suggestive. What about uh, that cologne commercial that looks like a Saturday Night Live skit? Uh, the name, this one always cracks me up. Oh, who's the actor from the Pirates of the Caribbean? Johnny um, Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp has a cologne commercial. That cracks oh, me up. It. He's driving his sports car through the desert, and then he pulls off the road and starts digging a hole <laughs> in the sand and throwing his jewelry into it. And then he's just like standing there looking. And it seems like it's a joke. It's a real – and then just, I think it just says like dressage or something like that. <laughs> um, it, I thought it was a joke the first dozen times I saw it. I was like, oh, waiting for them to have the follow-up thing that it's an ad for – some spoof movie or something. I don't know. No, it was a real product. That product kind of has no sound to it though. I think it was dressage. Somebody's going to correct me on that, but it's just a word that sounds kind of, eh. is there a space for that? I mean, somebody did this, but is that? Yes. I'll tell you when there's a space for the hut. When you have Johnny Depp and a gazillion dollars <laughs> in your ad budget, yeah, you can call it anything you want. When you have a 30-second spot with Johnny Depp taking his shirt off, you can, you can call it whatever. Exactly. It's just not about the name. <laughs> it was a name I was able to remember, so I guess there's a lot of great commercials that you don't remember what the product is afterward, though. Yeah. Okay, so. well, they have, they have a win there then. I'll give, I'll give them that. Yeah. <laughs> also a funny commercial. Um, okay, sorry. So we had suggestive number two. I think I keep stepping on it. What's number two in the Memorable. Smile? The M in smile stands for memorable. And memorable, it, it's, people always say I want a memorable name, but how can you tell if your name is memorable or what can you do to make your name memorable? You were just talking about Visage or you couldn't remember it. What makes a name memorable is if it's rooted in the familiar. So it helps you remember it. Mm. So for instance, uh, think of the company named Leapfrog. You hear that name. In your head, you can, you can associate it with something you already know, the childhood game of Leapfrog. Now, right. if you're at a networking event, and let's say you meet Lucinda from Leapfrog, you might forget her name three seconds after she says it because your brain doesn't have anything to latch onto. There's no association with Lucinda unless, you know, you know someone named Lucinda that you can associate it with. But Leapfrog, you'll have a much better chance of remembering. And or Lucinda you might just remember because the, you, you can say, oh, Lucinda Leapfrog or Leapfrog Lucinda. If the name was Fred, it doesn't even have – have that, uh, that, you know, both starting with an L, whatever you call that going for it. But you have, so Sky, you have the, you have the very rare instance of a name that people can remember because it's so unusual and they can picture it in their head. It is a curse also because I don't remember anybody's name. 
<laughs> right. Well, exactly. Yeah, I could see that being a problem in Cassidy, right? Like I here I was saying David Cassidy, Sean Cassidy. If you're of a certain age, like me, you, you can make that association. Most people don't have that. So you say Lucinda O, Lucinda Leapfrog L. No, no, no. If you have a name that's with an L, they're going to be, wait, was it Laura? Was it Lisa? And you know it's happened to you, right? You said you're bad with names. You're, oh, what did she say? I know it wasn't, it wasn't Laura or Lisa. It was something unusual, but I can't remember. Was it Layla? So that's why it's important to have something that is rooted in the familiar. So when you hear these strange names, like, you know, here's one for you. Uh, it's, uh, I'll just pick one out of my book. Um, V-O-N-I-G-I. Here's another one, F-A-V-R-O, X-O-Y-O-N-D-O. These are all bad examples. company names, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, right, no, these are bad examples because there's nothing for your brain to latch on to. And what do any of those even mean? And believe it or not, all of those companies make scheduling software. Wow. But how would you know from a name like Favro or Vonigi or... But nobody's going to be saying, what was the name of that nail salon in the Castro district? <laughs> exactly. like, you know, it's called a hand job. You remember it's called. So is it really important that it's kind of a one degree of separation between yes, yes, something yes. in the name perfect and what they way, do? Perfect way to describe it. I love that. So not just you remember it, but it's related to what they, because you're going to remember what they do probably. Yes. And then you want the name way to, to come describe it. One degree. You don't go further than one degree. And a lot of companies make that mistake where they're getting too far away. And we'll get into that a little bit with Scratch. So, yeah, you want your name to be mem memorable. And uh, a lot of people make the mistake of using their personal name. And, again, back to you. You don't count. Your name is Sky Cassidy. Using your personal name for your business, it doesn't evoke anything about you. We worked with a PR professional named Lynette Hoy, and she was just named her company after herself, Lynette Hoy PR. But Lynette Hoy says nothing about PR or her fiery personality or what she does. So we renamed her business Fire Talker PR, and mm -hmm. we gave her the tagline Hot on the Press. So with that, suddenly- That sticks, yeah, that sticks. Right? Fire yep. Talker. And the hot on the press helps as well. Exactly. And we'll get into that uh, later in Smile when we talk about legs. The I in Smile stands for imagery. And that means that you have a name that lends itself to when people hear it, it's visually evocative. So you hear, like you hear the name Sky, you can immediately picture something in your head. Right. Oh, the words you mentioned earlier have, you cannot other than maybe a pill, because they all sound like there's some sort of medication. Um, there's nothing that that brings or maybe something in space. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing. I guess you'd say uh, like uh, college sports teams, don't name yourself. Uh, there's a couple of them out there, but generally the mascot of the team is something that can be made into a costume. Like it has to be something you can put, you know, an animal or something that can be put onto a hat. Um, right, you, do, you don't right. go with dressage because you can't, put that onto a, a hat it may have a cool domain available but if so if you can't create a visual representation of it or have that somehow part of the of the product of the branding then it's uh not not so hot that is a great way of looking at it i was just at a hockey game with the gulls and yeah they've got a seagull as their mascot there's a couple i see you um i think you teach at stanford 
Yeah, I, I lecture there every year. You lecture there, and they're one of the the universities that's guilty of this. They don't really have a mascot that you can stamp. Now you can put a tree on stuff, but when it comes to sports, having you know a guy in a tree suit running around the field doesn't work so well. Yeah, and it's confusing because it's the Cardinals, but Cardinal is for the color red. It's not for the bird. Yeah. So, yeah, that does make it a little confusing. But for such a smart university, I think <laughs> it was too smart. They needed to bring a branding person in a long time ago. Also, uh, Alabama, uh, the Crimson Tide, like what are they? Yeah. Um, oh, there's a handful of them out there, but yeah, most schools, I think, have that visual branding. Yeah, I never thought of the sports team thing, and there are some great sports team names. What's the, the one I like is in New York, they have the Mets, the Nets, and the Jets. <laughs> the, Mets, the Nets, the Nets is the, the tennis team. Is I guess the tennis team. So there's um, the Nets, the Nets uh, basketball. Basketball. Okay, sorry. <laughs> They've got the football Jets, and then yeah, the Mets in baseball. Which I, I mean, some of those go back to either they also have what the Knickerbockers, the Knicks. It they come from the original sponsors of the teams. Mm. Basically, the team was named after the sponsors. Um, so so you have things like like the Knickerbockers, like the the Mets were not so much a sponsor, but it's the Metropolitans, the New York metropolitan area. Um, so at a, back in the day, some of these teams do have these very old names here in LA. We have the Clippers, which is named after a boat. I don't think they were from San Diego. Company. When I grew up here, yeah. the Clippers were, they were our team. And then we have the LA Lakers came from Minnesota. And because oh. there's a lot of lakes up there, they're the Lakers, not exactly a brand, uh, a sponsor name for the Lakers, but they took something that you, you couldn't really make a logo very well out of either. Just a pick a puddle on your hat or something like that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, you are a font of wisdom about sports teams names and I might need you to do a guest blog post for me. I have to bring something to the conversation here. No, you're an encyclopedia of sports team knowledge. I, I'm, I learned so much just in this uh, last couple minutes from you. That's fascinating. So, so the, uh, I, this, oh, this uh, podcast is about me learning from you, though. So let's get back to that. <laughs> okay. How much time do we have, by the way? Uh, we are doing fine. We'll take a break in just a couple minutes here. Let's maybe finish up these five qualities. Okay. We're, we're, on, we're on imagery right now, and then we got right. two more, and we can take okay, a quick break. Okay, so the L in smile stands for legs. I was talking about Lynette with Fire Talker PR. So when you have a name with a theme, that is when you have a name with legs. So with Fire Talker, she calls herself the fire chief. She works in the firehouse. When she does speaking engagements, she cranks up the Ohio Players song, Fire, and she gets people on their feet, swaying back and forth, singing that song, right? Nice. Getting pumped up. She could also come out to my, one of my daughter's favorite songs is uh, This Girl is on Fire. Oh, right. A great, <laughs> great song to get pumped up. Sometimes I'll play it in the morning to, to wake them up out of bed. Is that the Whitney Houston song? I think it's Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. Okay, see, I'm like, yeah, I'm like under a rock with sports teams and music. Me too with music, but my daughters are teaching me about pop music now, and they're they're only four and six, so. Okay, well, I can win any, I can win, beat anybody in song quiz that you can play on your Amazon Echo for the (laughs) 70s. I've I've got the 70s down, but I think I'm kind of stuck in that decade. So yeah, legs, another example of legs is uh, there's a, 55 plus retirement community that was uh, kind of founded by Jimmy Buffett. It's called Latitude Margaritaville. 
And who wouldn't want to retire in Latitude Margaritaville and have return address labels from Tiki Terrace or Flip Flop Court? Right. So by legs, it's something that can be, the brand can be kind of spread across everything as an overriding theme. Yeah. So you have a company name and then when you're naming your products and services, that theme will help you name those things. So at Latitude Margaritaville, the pet spa is called Barcaritaville. The business center is called the Coconut Telegraph. See, and I'm looking at you and I see you break out into this big smile. And I know your listeners did too. That's what, like, if you can have an awesome name, I mean, I I went to their uh, Facebook page for Latitude Margaritaville and people that buy homes there, they take pictures of themselves next to this kind of big uh, uh, pole with all of the street sign names on it. And they're just grinning ear to ear because they bought a home there. And like you buy a retirement home, you know, somewhere with some, you know, just. You're on first street or D street. Exactly. Or <laughs> oh my gosh. 138th street. Right. You don't go to Disneyland and say, Oh yeah, let's go down first street. And then see exactly. Goofy. And I got to tell you there's street names where I was like, I think like, I, I couldn't live on a street with that name. Or you think of that we have Narragansett around the corner from us and there's like Narragansett Way at Narragansett Street. Like, can you, like having to spell that out for people? Yeah. I was going to say that it gets terrible also when you, some, I've seen themed areas with streets, but you'll have like, oh, it's Robin Hood themed and you've got Little John <laughs> Court and then you got Little John Street and Little John Way and you've got all these names that are, they just all blend together into this one gooey ball. And like, there's no way I can find my way around this neighborhood. I'm sorry. All the street names look the same. Yeah. I, Give me trees and put them in alphabetical order and I'm good. And that's, yeah, that's when I'm like, can you just do the numbers and letters, please? Um, yeah. So is there a point where you take it too far with that, with the overriding theme? Yes. Get yes. A bit too- oh my gosh. That's such a good question. Oh, okay. So there is this company, it's an app and it's called, oh God, God, what's it called? I'm blanking on the name. Um, I'll I'll filibuster here and give you some time. It's it's called, pardon? I said, I'll filibuster to give you some some time. Okay. It's Um, called, it's called, Noom, Noom, N O O M. It's called um, Noom. No, seriously, Sky. What am I gonna stick? What is gonna stick in my brain about Noom? Does that make? I was gonna say. I think this is a perfect example. It makes it a bad name. You're fighting right. to find it. I was. I was gonna say we'll edit this out, and we never actually do. But uh, okay, a, this was just a perfect live example of what a bad name does. Okay, Noom. So this is how. Okay, look. There's no legs with Noom, but they have forced it. So they have. They call. They say <laughs> Noom. Oh, that's Noomtastic. Or they call their community members their numally, like family. It right. tries too hard, and they miss the really. It's kind of the millennial thing, and they missed a really good opportunity where you know the yoga thing, you know, Namaste. They could have said Numaste, like that would have been cute. But they they missed that one, and they just tried too hard. So yes, there are examples of that. So taking and, a lame name and then just just doing the Brangelina with everything on that, yeah, not exactly. Yeah working yes brandolina doesn't always work uh yeah i have glenn and i'm alexandra and like glenda yeah it doesn't work so if their if their company was named noon and they were a lunch delivery company or something like that they could do a lot of things around the word noon right Um, like nooner which is the name of my cat but (laughs) (laughs) but noom 
means nothing and doesn't really it, plug in front of, you can't just slur that in front of every word you want. Exactly. Exactly. And then I'll get to the last letter and smile is E for emotional. And that's super important. You want your name to make an emotional connection. It needs to resonate with people. And by resonate, it, they've got to, they've got to get it. When you smile, that's, that's obviously making a connection with somebody and uh, people buy purchase products based on emotion. You know, think of how many times you've been standing in the wine aisle at Trader Joe's, or at least I have, and I'm staring at these bottles and I'm not a wine connoisseur and I'm going on emotion there. I'm picking out, do I like the name? Do I like the label? And that is how a lot of people shop. Yeah. I mean, back to church of cupcakes that sticks with you. The, the hand job, if it, you can have a name make you smile there's another one i saw on your list the spoon me is a great one um rehab for frozen yogurt i imagine their really target audience is thinking people are going out drinking and frozen yogurt is a great thing the next day <laughs> if you had a little bit too much to drink uh, is that the idea behind rehab well rehab was it was targeted at teens and you know that could have something fun you know, hey, mom, I'm going to rehab or meet me at rehab or like the T-shirts, the you know, take me to rehab. So, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And then I see one called Watermark. Watermark is a is a organization for executive women in the Bay Area. They were named the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs and Executives, which is a sentence, not a name. They're, so they call themselves F-W-E-N-E for short, which is a That's ton pretty terrible. of syllables. Yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue. And they came to us and said, we want to name that, you know, it's not cumbersome. It's not complicated. It's more sophisticated. It speaks more to our audience of, you know, high level executive women. And the name Watermark worked because it was all about women achieving a higher level and making their mark. Mm -hmm. And their awards every year, that's the, their award ceremony is women who make their mark. Nice. Nice. So there was a lot of things they could do with that, with that name. Um, I, I was just thinking there's a lot of comedies that make fun of this naming stuff with, you know, the, the acronym that you were, you just listed off that they had originally um, where they'll have the, oh yes, this organization is called Wifflerfleur. <laughs> and, they, and then they list off the, you know, the big long thing that it seems to be a staple in, in comedy uh, movies and shows and stuff these days with the, the terrible naming practice, ac acronym practice. Um, yes. I think a lot of people go wrong with that. Maybe that'll be something we can hit in the second half when we cover the, the how to go wrong. If you make some long, some word and try to cram an acronym into it like they do with politicians as well, they'll make a bill and be like, okay, we want it to be this word. Now, what words can we smash into this to fit? And it's just lame. Exactly. It always comes so reverse stupid. engineering. Yeah. Reverse engineering an acronym never works. Never a good idea. Yeah. Um, okay. That's great. So we got through the five there, uh, suggestive, memorable imagery, legs, uh, emotional. Those are the five qualities for uh, making a good brand name, right? A brand name that sticks. Mm-hmm. Anything else we want to throw on top of that before we take a quick break? No, you got them all. All good. Fantastic. We're going to uh, take a quick break here. We're speaking with Alexandra Watkins of the uh, branding name, branding company. Correct me on this, Alexandra. What would you refer to your company as? Brand name company. 
brand name company, a creative naming firm. Mm, I like that. Um, okay. Uh, the, the brand naming company or creative naming firm, Eat My Words. Great name for a, for a firm there. We'll be back. You're listening to the Ify Market Podcast, and we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Kelly Glover from the Talent Squad. We book podcast tours for entrepreneurs. So, and let me tell you, you should think about being a guest on podcasts. Go over to thetalentsquad.com. We also teach messaging and positioning, pitching, interview strategies and technique at the Talent Squad Academy. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. We are here with Alexandra Watkins of Eat My Words, the creative naming firm. And we're talking about um, we're talking about how to create brand names that stick, how to create names that don't suck. We've covered the stick part. Now we're getting to the don't suck part with the scratch. So uh, in the first half here, we covered the five qualities that help brand names stick. Um, suggestive, memorable, imagery, legs, and emotional, spells smile. And we also mentioned not shoehorning stuff in. So these happen to fit pretty well. You have smile and you have those. Is there, did those come about and you said, hey, this spells smile or how did that come together so well? Because usually it's a train wreck. That is a great story. It was seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. I was a little hungover. I was at a conference for the National Speakers Association. It was seriously like the most ungodly hour. And I, I pulled myself out of bed to, uh, I had stayed at the hotel the night before, and it was uh, Chip Heath of the Heath Brothers talking okay, about- May real quick, conferences are the worst because you go there, <laughs> they expect you to hang out and drink and then get up early the next day and perform mentally. Yeah, yeah. And I did not want to miss him. So he was uh, talking about Made to Stick, my favorite book, and uh, he was going through their acronym, Success. And by the way, there's no S on the end of their, there's only one S on the end of Success, which just made me crazy because really, there's more words that start with S than probably any other letter in the alphabet. Like you couldn't come up with just one more. Could have found one that works. So they have an acronym that's misspelled. Yeah. And look, I love those guys. Uh, Dan Heath uh, blurred my book. He said, uh, you're nuts to name your company or product without consulting this book first. So mm. I love the Heath brothers, but yeah, they could have just had one more letter. So I was like, I need an acronym. So I had always said your name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. So I wrote down on a cocktail napkin, smile and scratch. And I wrote them all out and they are to this day almost the same. I changed the, the R in Scratch used to stand for random, and I changed it to restrictive, and the M in smile used to stand for meaningful, and I switched it to memorable, this edition of the book. But other than that, they've stayed pure. But yeah, it makes me crazy when people have an acronym, and it's not a pure, like they, the second word, or, you know, right. it doesn't work. And Look it's up forced. any bill that's going through Congress, and it will have a terrible acronym, Um that, that they come up, they're not good. They need to come to you for this kind of stuff. Um, so it's not that it can't work. It's, it has to be done well. So you, you had smile and then you fit the things in. You say, oh yeah, this, 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 and this works. Especially if they don't have to go in order, I suppose. If you try to get things in order, then you're really shoehorning something in. Uh, oh the Congress gosh. bills yeah. always take a word and then they, they need to make a sentence. It's much easier when you're not trying to make a sentence when you're just putting out the key points. Yes. 
I agree. So that covers smile and scratch now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's 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 get through scratch the things to look out for to avoid to make sure you're not doing when coming up with a brand name. Okay, so scratch the seven deal breakers. This is what you have to think of when you're starting out with a blank slate and you're coming up with a name for your company, don't give yourself any disadvantages. And that's what Scratch is. These are all the disadvantages that you could give your name that you don't need to. And the best way to think about this is for your listeners to think about their own name. Okay, you're not included, Sky, because your name is too easy. But I don't most want you people, picking on me either. So. <laughs> I'm not, I can't pick on you. Your name is so awesome. Most people have a name that's difficult for people to spell, whether it's Chris and it's spelled different ways or Anne spelled different ways, their last name. So right. many people get their name because it get butchered. So this but, is getting to the creative parents who are like, I'm going to name my kid Stephanie, but I'm going to spell it with an X. <laughs> so they're different and have to spend their whole life explaining to people instead of talking. Exactly. And anytime you need to to tell so look you can't blame your parents but when you are naming your brand you can only blame yourself if you do it wrong and anytime you have to explain your name to somebody you're essentially apologizing for it and a lot of that has to do with domain names and you know like noom why are they named that oh the domain name was available for 9.95 on godaddy and that's it was not a short good... and available and meant exactly nothing in particular well exactly. there are a lot of things that say we need to come up with a name that sounds like uh, belongs in Silicon Valley, the domain's available and, and and it's short. And that's their whole criteria. Yeah, that's not good enough. Uh, it's better to have a long name that's memorable than a short name that's forgettable. That's so let's go. <laughs> Do you want to go through Scratch? Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I'm slowing you down. No, here. no, so that's okay. No, I could talk about this all day. Seven deal breakers on Scratch. Yeah, so the first one is the S stands for spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. Spelling your name in a non-intuitive way, it's not clever, it's a cop-out. So it is tempting to spell your name in a unique way to get a domain name, but it will forever frustrate your customers, bloggers, journalists, anybody that's trying to type in your domain name, your email, it's frustrating. So what so, about things like uh, one of our top competitors in the data business is discover.org, but it's not discover.org, it's just discover.org.com. And I think that oh, can yeah. everybody in the world. Our name, we rebranded because our name used to be Prospect DB, and we would hear all of our salespeople apologizing all day on the phones and having to spell out D is in dog, B is in boy. It's not a TV station. It's the, 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 and it's just the amount of confusion created for the first couple minutes of every conversation, having to spell it out and explain it. I love hearing you say that because that's what I write about in the book and I've never heard anybody actually say it. But in the book, I talk about a company. It was an organic baby clothing company, which is bizarre. And it's named uh, Species, which is just the weirdest name for anything that has to do with babies. That sounds gross for babies. Yeah, I know. I know. And it was spelled S-P-E-E-S-E-E-S. And I, I, in the book, I take people that, you know, imagine the phone call, right? Yeah. And if your name is Stacy with an E, having to, you know, that's S-T, right? 
So something I would add and is maybe ask, is this a thing? So species spelled that way. I'm a terrible speller. I don't even know. I'm assuming that's the not the correct spelling for it. But no, I would it's... say even if it is, it's terrible <laughs> because a lot of people, there's so many words I look at and I'm like, okay, I know I'm a terrible speller. So this isn't everybody, but beauty. I would never want to put that in the name of something because I always misspell it. Restaurant. I always misspell it. Like these words that, you know, some of us dullards misspell all the time it just causes problems. You get, I misspell restaurant and bureau is the one that mm -hmm. I always get wrong to. The U always trips me up. So misspelling them is bad, but just using them in general also bad. Yeah. It's difficult. And you can Google, uh, you know, top 100, top 500 misspelled words and you will get a list. Uh, so uh, the species, by the way, one are, uh, Eat My Word used to have a head scratcher of the year contest and they, they won one year. Uh, but by the way, the way that they explained, remember we're apologizing, the way they explained the weird spelling on their website, and I am not making this up, they said that species spelled wrong was spelled that way because that's the way babies would spell species if babies could spell. If they could, you know, if they could spell, they would spell. <laughs> they can't, so that they don't. Just, oh my gosh. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, that's ding, a lame ding, ding. now. A One of the owners loved that word for some reason and it stuck and the domain was available. Yeah, that's, so that's, they're not around anymore. Bye bye, baby. So you use that as a, you say you used to have this award you give out a year. Did you stop doing it because? people got really upset when they no, were pointed out as the idiot. No, no. I think I just got, <laughs> I think I got lazy. I think I started writing the book and got distracted. That's, that's uh, really fun to do it once a year. You've got to bring that back. I love that. All right. I'll bring it back. If you help me bring it back, you know, Done. you can, all right. Cool, you tell we'll us your, um, I already know the winner. The I'm going to tell you that. Okay. Here's the winner. I've already decided it's okay. This company, this name doesn't make any sense. I'm going to spell it for you. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Rakuten. Hmm. Sounds like it might have a Japanese origin. It means some sort of a monster in Japanese or something like that. Um, so what do they do? Something well, high tech? Uh, um, they are uh, some type of company where if, when you use them, use their website to buy products, you get a some type of discount or I think it cash back. You get cash back. Mm. Now, I've never really bothered to read too much about them, but what I do know is, the, and they had a Super Bowl ad, so they have some money to drill it into people's head. Wow, they to drill in a, something people won't remember. That's yes, great. they have That's an great. entire commercial asking people, how do you pronounce their name and mm. then telling people what it means and what it is or what it is. I mean, there is a thing like calling your your jelly goober or whatever it was and saying with a name oh, is bad, we've got to be good. Oh, smuckers. Uh, smuckers. Yeah. But that you can remember smuckers. That's not so bad. I never even knew that. I never, until my boyfriend told me that the other day, I never understood that. I never bothered to think about that tagline, what it really meant. Yeah. Right. With, with a name like smuckers. I, I guess I never thought it was it's, a horrible It's name. in your field. It's basically like, yeah, this, we know this is a bad name, um, but yeah. we're going to be so good people will know it anyways. Uh, I guess what about a name like saying uh, the spell checker and spelling the T-E-H? Yeah. Most common yeah. typo. That might not be so bad because you know what the T-E-H is referencing. It's got the spell checker in there. 
Yeah. Yeah, the spell check helps a lot. By the way, I just looked up Rakuten, and you're right. It's Japanese, and it means optimism. But it still doesn't have anything to do with getting cash yeah. back. Yeah, save with yeah. coupons and deals. And you can't just take a foreign word that means that you'd get a, like a tattoo on your back of, and like it means peace in some foreign language. And you're like, great, but I can't pronounce it and won't remember it. So what exactly? Even in Japan, they'd be like, optimism, why the hell? Does that have anything to do with that brand, with that company, with what they do? Yeah. The, yeah, they have 11 nationally aired TV campaigns, Super Bowl advertiser. Yeah. Wow. And, and a lot of that trying to explain what it, what it is. Okay. So, um, so what was the name the for what's that's the head scratcher of the year? Awesome. So we've got spelling challenged. We really dug into that one. We got right. six more to go. Right. Okay, the C, the first C in Scratch is for copycat, and that's when you have a name that resembles a competitor's name. Uh, the the company that's been copycatted the most is Pinkberry, the frozen yogurt chain. The these are some of the names that they have that I, I just started. I must have seen one, and I went on Google and I started typing the word a word in front of berry with frozen yogurt. So you know, cool berry. Blissberry, and they were all coming up. So there's yo berry, peach berry, yogi, yogi berry, kiwi berry, lemon berry, my berry, love berry, snow berry, sweet berry. There's, there's dozens of these names that all ripped off pink berry. And when you see a name like yo berry, you're, you're like, yeah, that's Come a rip off. I feel like Pinkberry could sue all of them. That's too obvious. They can, they can. So some of right. them have faced trademark infringement and related claims. So like I if would... I start a Mexican restaurant chain called Taco Smell, <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to get away with that. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah, cease, you're gonna get a cease and desist. Really. So really if quick. Scratch was spelled with an L, you could call this lazy. They're just being lazy and feeding off the existing brand recognition. It is lazy. And I, I believe I even say that it, it's lazy. There's a lot of lazy things that people do. This they is the naming it. version of saying got whatever your product is. Right. And another way to be lazy is just add an A at the end of your name or an IA, Lernia. Like really, that's the best you could do. We went through that when we were looking for a new brand name. Like, okay, what if we turn it? What if we turn it into one of these Silicon Valley? Like, you just yeah, you add the thing at the end, add the thing at the beginning. We had a whole metric of all the things. Here's what we could add. Here's all the keywords in our industry. Can we slop these together? Yeah. Um, so yeah, people do it, but I guess I would say we didn't know what we were doing, so we were doing that. And the, maybe there's some brands where that that works if the beginning of it works strong enough and the ending is a tech sounding ending and they're a tech company well if you're first out of the gate and you're spotify you're spotify it's a cool name but mm -hmm. then other companies would copy that and you just know you're like oh they copied spotify so you're you're just showing your 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 complete lack of orig originality right so, if you want to win how many companies out there that are big in their space not even number one but how many companies out there or think about it in this way, how many companies out there are a play on someone else's name that was in the space first? You're basically setting yourself up to say, we'll try to feed off of them a little bit. You're going you're gonna to try to be a, a leech on them for a while. A leech is never going to grow into the dominant organism. It's just lazy and trying to scrape a little of their, uh, of their recognition, I guess. Right. They're trying to kind of, you know, roll on their coattails or 
not roll on their coat sail on their whatever they do on coattails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who does stuff on coattails? They ride yeah, on the coattails. Ride what's on a, the coattails. What's a riding there on a coattail? What kind know. of animal is this? I don't know. I guess you're a tick. That's the only thing I can ride on a coattail. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. So yeah. we got scratch. We got the spelling challenge. The copycat. Yeah. Um, the R in scratch stands for restrictive, and that's where your name limits you to future growth. Think about Amazon. What if Jeff Bezos had named Amazon Book Barn? Right. What's the last thing you bought on Amazon? I just told Alexa this morning to reorder some paper towels for me. You okay. know, cat food. It's a, but I'm not going to be buying that from Book Barn. So that name, you want a name that scales. And Amazon is a great example. No matter what product, what service they come out with, it will work under the umbrella name of Amazon. Well, now Amazon is very generic name though. Book Barn kind of goes to your earlier example saying, hey, Book Barn would be good. But if you're planning on scaling across a lot of different verticals, you kind of have to be general enough to do that. I guess if Amazon had a site, a spot on their site for buying books, they could call that Book Barn. Um, well, I think Amazon suggests enormous. Right. And that's how Bezos envisioned his company. So that, that's what I get out of Amazon. And of course you go on Amazon and there's pull down menus and there's books and you know, you've got your Kindle and all of these other things that they sell, but nothing's tied into, you know, they didn't get caught up in naming things after tributaries on the Amazon river <laughs> or countries that the Amazon flows through. Right. So you that know, kind of flies in the face of some of your previous advice. And I guess I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I guess this goes back to the, if you're, if you wanted to sell books and you're a local bookstore, calling yourself Book Barn, great. You have something you can play off here. It fits everything else you've been saying. But if you're planning on being really, if your business plan is to grow and cover a lot of different things, you have to choose a name that can span all those things, that doesn't nail you down into a niche so much. Correct. You want your name to be scalable and to be a wide enough umbrella that no matter what you introduce, it will fit. So when you are coming up with a name, look into your crystal ball. And a company that failed at this is a very old company, and may, they might not have known at the time, Canadian Tire. Uh, if Canadian Tire, what would you expect Canadian Tire sells? Any guess, Sky? Going with tires, maybe made in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Now, they sell a lot more than tires. They sell, I mean, just with the tea, you know, tools, trampolines, teddy bears, toys, tropical plants, tents, and a whole lot of other terrific stuff that, that has nothing to do with tires. So right. they had to, you know, in the 80s, their tagline was, we're more than tires, kind of like fast signs. Their tagline is more than fast, more than signs. Those are names that are restrictive. Well, it seems so, like they're basically saying, oops, we pigeonholed ourselves with our name. Yeah, you have yeah. Church of Cupcakes. If they're planning on selling cupcakes or even being a bakery forever, great name. But if they're big plan was to start with cupcakes and then expand into a food empire, they would need something more, more general than that. Right. But they started out as a different comp. They were named lovely confections and the woman who started it, her last name is lovely. Uh -huh. So, but, but people didn't get that. It just sounded right. confection sounds like candy. Right. So it would almost be better for last name. Wasn't was something not so obvious. Didn't fit right. so well with it. 
Right. So that's why, you know, she was just doing cupcakes and there's, I'll tell you, I was so excited to get that project and that I don't think I've ever worked harder on a project because there's so many cupcake store names out there and everything was taken. And I was so excited when I came up with the church of cupcake. Did you and think of I, cupcakes are us? I know I'm not in the industry, but I think <laughs> yeah, it's a exactly. Name. Yeah. It goes back to about, lazy. <laughs> yeah. Lazy. Yes. But my favorite one that I saw when I was looking at, at, you know, looking up all these names was one called Hey Cupcake. Hey Cupcake. Oh, that's a good name. That's a good yeah, name. So yeah, I love that one. The, the uh, what was it? Lovely Confectionery? That Lovely would Confections. Be a better name if they were planning on making all kinds of confectionery products. Right. But when you have a, a niche, you need to, that you really need to focus on that niche. That's where Church of Cupcakes comes in and really kills it. Yeah. But a name you created like, um, where was that one? Dash, I think. Dash, a travel makeup kit. Now, Dash could expand out into a lot of other things with a name like Dash because it's not super niche sounding. It, it works for that, but they could also branch out and cover more verticals. Right. Well, Dash was a makeup kit for the Gap for their beauty products. And the tagline was, a little color goes a long way. It was a travel makeup kit. So mm -hmm. that tagline really helped play off of it. But that is a name with legs because you're right. You could do something with that. So if you're planning on needing legs, have, have legs. Yes. But, and, and don't be too restrictive as you have here in, in number three, the R and scratch. Um, but if you're planning on focusing on a niche and staying there, then Church of Cupcakes works great. So number three restrictive is kind of, it depends on where you're planning on going. Yes. Look into your crystal ball. Yep. And sometimes you'll get it wrong and turns out you'll pivot somewhere else, but then you got to yeah. rebrand maybe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we're moving through S-C-R-A and scratch. The A stands for annoying. And that's where it seems forced or it frustrates customers. We've talked about a lot of those names that are, they're pretty meaningless. They're hard to, you know, they weird letter X-O-Y-O-N-D-O. What does that even mean? Right. V-O-N-I-G-I. -I, what is that? So those are the annoying names. Other annoying names are where you, you kind of mash two things together. Uh, one that just made me cringe was a, you know, we talked about Watermark, an organization for professional women. There was one called Femfessionals, like professionals, but Femfessionals. And seriously, women, would you want that name on your LinkedIn resume? You know, okay. your LinkedIn profile, Femfessionals. So that's not annoying to try to read or try to say. That's just annoying to think about. Yeah. Yeah. They try. They're, they're, to me, they make, they make me cringe. They try too hard. Now, look, I'm going to tell your listeners this. You have probably not thought about a lot of this. And now when you see names, you're going to, you're going to love me because you're educated, but you're going to hate me because you're going to be like, Oh God, that's a terrible name. I never thought of that. And you will, you know, I have now opened your eyes to, to looking at names and evaluating them. And you'll see how these are now a, an example of mashups that do work well together, you know, Pinterest, Groupon, Cinnabon, those names, you know how to spell them when you hear them. They sound natural. Speedo. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Speedo, tongue. Optima. Make you go, Ugh, that sounds kind of bleh for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the let's see. Let's go to the next so, letter. In, oh, go uh, ahead. We're on T. 
yeah, T stands for tame, and tame means your name is flat, descriptive, uninspired. Think of the name, no, I, I'm gonna first tell you what this is. This name combines two of the most boring words in the English language into one really boring name, and it's a B2B name, <laughs> and it, but consumers use it too, and it's Network Solutions. I mean, really put me to sleep, network solutions. So the name solutions just needs to be retired, but it's, it's just sleepy. Yeah, I think I have one that can compete with that in how bad it is. The original name for this podcast um, was going to be B2B Marketing Executive Insights. And we yeah, thought, it's, yeah, it's pretty descriptive. Yeah, it's descriptive. But always also boring as hell. Like, come on. That's just it's all the blah words in our industry in one name. Right. So here, here's an example of, because people get so caught up and be, well, it's B2B. You can't have fun. Yes, you can. You know, I have a B2B company and it's named Eat My Words. And we work with clients like Coca-Cola and Google and Frito-Lay and, you know, giant companies that they, people want to work with people they like and they see a name like Eat My Words. It makes them smile. It sets us apart. There is a uh, healthcare marketing consultancy and it's named fresh blood which i oh, love nice. yeah i guess uh something that's come up here in the past is your company may be boring your product may be boring but you don't have to be your marketing doesn't have to be boring there's you know uh, a great uh, example i like to use is the tv show office space everybody loves that show it's great kids now are starting to watch it and their parents are like wait why do you love this oh yeah it's really good um wait office space am i getting that right the office <laughs> the movie mm. was office space the office and I like to ask people, what do they sell in that show? Right? What do they sell? The show's really entertaining, right? It's really good. But that's an office that sells something. What do they sell? And people don't. They sell paper. They chose the most boring product. <laughs> reams of white printing paper. There's nothing more boring than that. Maybe ink toner. But that has some excitement just in how weird it is to sell ink toner. Um, they chose the most boring product because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your product's boring. You can still have exciting interesting marketing like you don't have to just go b2b marketing executive insights you can come up with something related that's in or you know have somebody like alexander come up with something related that's interesting if you can't uh, if you can't come up with one so that that's yeah. a great one that the tame don't be boring thanks and you can you can have a descriptive name that's not tame i mean gentle dental that's descriptive but it's a great name it makes you smile right so. oh yeah some descriptive things are they're lucky it's interesting. The industry they're in has some interesting sound. There's some interest, but some stuff like if you just describe your company, what your company does in a name, it's gonna suck. Like you yeah. have to, you have to be a little less boring. Yes. Okay, so we've got tame the T. We're on to C and H. The C, second C in Scratch, stands for the curse of knowledge, and that's where your name only speaks to insiders. And people forget that they know so much about their company or the lingo that their customers don't know what it means. Hmm. A good example of that, I will put out our current company name, Mountaintop Data. Uh, when we rebranded, we thought that was great. And then we came to realize we regret putting the word data in there because people know what it means to them, but it means different things to different people. Um, there's a, most of the data industry is not what we do. Uh, marketing data mostly is about analytics and uh, customer patterns and all that kind of stuff, not about the foundational data that makes up the lists people use for their marketing. So we found that that, although not terrible, was 
confusing and didn't always it, 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 different people would interpret it different ways. So I guess you could say that um, some people could not know what you're talking about at all because it's so so much of an insider name. And then some people could misinterpret it because there's so many ways it could go depending on what they're bringing to the table. Exactly. Uh, one company that people would be surprised had a name with a curse of knowledge is Apple. And the name was when they started naming their operating systems after places in California, some, you know, Sierra, people know that. Uh, when they did Mavericks, it's plural. And a lot of people don't know what Mavericks is. It's a famous surf spot in Northern California. It's not that far from Apple's headquarters in Cupertino. But when you hear Maverick, people, Mavericks is a weird word. I mean, people yeah. think Maverick, you know, oh, it's their new OS system, Maverick. And I'm sure people were saying it like that singular, not knowing that Mavericks, it, it doesn't make any sense. Why would an operating system have a plural name? So right. that's, and so people get it wrong. Um, so let's see. And, and using uh, foreign languages in your name, that's often. Like Rakuten or something like that. <laughs> exactly. And I, yeah, until you said that, I didn't even think it was, I just thought it was something where they could get the domain name and they just kind of played drunken Scrabble and that's what they came up with. But back to the, the domain name one, we'll get to domains in just a second too. Um, but to preempt that, um, so many people take the spelling and then change it by a letter or two. And you, you spoke about that before as well um, because it's the spell challenge. Number one in this with domains, I think that happens a ton because they're like this domain will cost us $10,000. But if we switch the I and the E to misspell it, then we can get it for $12.99. Um, yeah, that, that one is, is just, it's a pain in the ass. We see it at every trade show all over the place and I understand it to a degree, but, it's, it's really a pain. Uh, so curse of knowledge, great one. There's kind of two angles to that. Uh, moving on to number seven, the H in scratch. That stands for hard to pronounce. And when your name is hard to pronounce, it confuses customers. It distances, distances them. A good way to think about this is being in a, in a fr restaurant for me, a French restaurant, I want to order something on the menu, but I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't want to embarrass myself. So I'll point to it. And, and nobody wants to be embarrassed or say your name the wrong way. Right. So that's why your name, your name needs to be like a welcome map, friendly and approachable. So don't have a name that people cannot pronounce. Yeah. Or just confuses them. Uh, back mm -hmm. to our previous name, Prospect DB. It's, I'm, there's just so many things people could take away from that. You don't want to play that uh, 80s or I guess all songs ever, but the music game where you try to figure out what the lyrics actually were and everybody gets it wrong. You know, that you, your name shouldn't be excuse me while I, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Um, you, <laughs> you don't want that kind of problem happening where people just remember your brand and your name as something it's not because it's hard to pronounce. Yes. All right. Got through scratch. So those are all things that if basically if you're coming up with a brand name, either for your company or a product, and it violates one of these, kill it. Come up with a bunch of brand names and maybe kill off the ones that violate these. Yes. Excellent. You'll think like, oh, yeah, it's restrictive or it's annoying or it's only people inside, but the domain's available and everything else is great. We're going to go with this one you're going to be kicking yourself in a year or two and wishing you had gone back and worked a little longer or called up Alexandra and said, 
Give me a name, Alexander. <laughs> Here's what we do. Here's what we're thinking. Tell us why we're wrong and what we should say. Um, what's the shortest turnaround you've ever had on a client? They just come to you and say, hey, we don't know what to do. Here's what we do. And you, the next day you come back and say, here's your name. Thank you. Oh, well, I do these consulting calls over the phone where you can hire me for an hour. I'll read your background information in advance, come up with some ideas in advance. We jump on a call and I spend an hour or so coming up with ideas and sharing my screen with you so you can see my process. You're going to see way more than I give away in the book. I'm going to show you places I go online to come up with ideas that are, you know, my best secrets. So yeah, no, I can name, I can, I was talking to a client this morning. We don't even have the project yet. And I feel like I already have the perfect name. So it's not always, I need $100,000 and over the next six months, I'll come up with something. They can have an hour long thing and you'll throw five names at them and say, here's five ideas for you. Yeah, they'll get, yeah, they'll get some really good ones and then they'll get some starter ones and then they'll get all the tools they need to continue on their own. That's great. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump into a, a, a sales pitch for you there, but it couldn't hurt. Um, so real quick, this episode's going to go long. I think we're doing, it's awesome. Everything we're covering. Uh, so I don't want to cut it off. Let's finish the domain names um, okay. for, for everybody. So what have we got for selecting a domain name? The biggest mistake people make is thinking that they have to own the exact match domain name of whatever they name their company. You don't. Uh, people really struggle and that's why we get names like Noom, right? Or V-O-N-I-G-N-I or however they spell that. You want to have a, a domain name that people can spell just like how we went through Scratch and remember. And it would be better to have a name with a modifier in it than coming up with some crazy spelling. So for instance, we are eatmywords.com. But if we couldn't get eatmywords.com, let's say it was a, a, it is a bakery. They have eatmywords.org, which is weird. It, we could get eatmywordsnaming.com right. or helloeatmywords.com. So adding a modifier word, either as a prefix or a suffix, is a really good way to go. What about adding like a dash in something like no, that? No, no, don't do the dash because there it's back to hearing your sales guys explain the name. When I just said eat my words, I didn't have to say eat dash my words. When right. anytime you have to to say it or explain it, again, you're apologizing for it. Don't use the hyphens. Better to just add another word. And when you add another word, it can help with your search engine optimization. Uh, so put the in front, put HQ after, put something. I'm not a fan of HQ. Okay. So I'll give you some examples of people that have, or companies that have done this. For the first 13 years they were in business, Tesla was not at Tesla.com. If you had gone to Tesla.com, you would have seen a very ominous looking website that said, this site is owned by GandhiNet. Like what? Right. Some so company was trying to sell it for a bunch of money. Yeah. yeah. So what would you do? If you were looking to buy a Tesla, would you give up? No, you would go to Google or go into your browser bar and type Tesla cars or Tesla, Tesla test drive. And two seconds later, you would, you would see the site, you know, you click on a link, there you are. Have you even noticed 
what the domain name is. I'm going to guess it's probably something like Tesla Motors or no, something like that. Right, right. It was Tesla Motors. But but my point is, like, you, by then you're there. You don't care what the domain name is. And, right. and do you not trust them because they don't own the domain name? Do you think, you know, oh, I'm not going to buy a car from them because they don't own Tesla.com? No. Facebook until 2005 was the Facebook. Dropbox right. was Get Dropbox. So all of these companies were wildly successful. So start out with Get Dropbox, and then once you make your first ten million, you can buy the ten thousand yeah, dollars. If you, yeah, if you want, if you want, but you don't have to. I mean, Square, Square up. Right. So your your company, Eat My Words. If the domain wasn't available, you could do Eat My Words branding or. Um, something like that. Right. When I started Eat My Words, eatmywords.com wasn't available and I got eatmywords.biz, which I love. I think .biz is really fun. And on our business cards, I just put the .biz part in pink. Right. When the domain name did become available six weeks after I had my really expensive business cards printed, I uh, bought it for $1,200. I lucked out and yeah, we're eatmywords.com. But I still have those, my business cards are really cute. Uh, we have a 1950s pink retro refrigerator in our office. It's where I store my cool books. It's, a, you know, people open it up. They expect to see beer on the fridge and it's books. And I still books have and those. warm beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have, I'm like kind of getting down to the last of my business cards now and I'm back to using my dot biz ones and people find us and people will find you. So right. that's a big, that's a big, uh, when I, when I tell people this and I see their face, I see the look of relief of, oh, I don't have to have an exact match. So don't start your look for your search for a company name on GoDaddy. Come up with a great name and then get a domain name and some workarounds that you can do other than adding a modifier. You can be more creative. You could do what a company called Greenberg Smoked Turkeys does, you know, Greenberg Smoked Turkeys, not, you know, not a really particularly creative name. Greenberg could be spelled a couple different ways. Their domain name is unforgettable. It's Gobble Gobble. Wow. That, yeah. So it doesn't have to even, for instance, with yours, eat my words. If nothing was available similar, you could have took the domain name, your name sucks. Yeah, or awesomenames.com, something like that. Right, right, right. Uh, another one is uh, I was at the Fancy Food Show, and I love peanut butter, and I was you know going to all the peanut butter vendors, and I was kind of in a peanut butter coma, and I turned the corner on one of the, the aisles at Moscone, and I saw a banner, and it said, I love peanutbutter.com. Right. I will never forget that. When I, when I went there later, I saw it was a company named Peanut Butter & Co. They own the domain name Peanut Butter & Co. But if you type it in, it redirects to ilovepeanutbutter.com. Why? Because what name do you think those employees would rather have on their business card or as right. their domain name? So even when they got the actual domain name, they preferred the more interesting, more descriptive uh, domain name. You, for instance, could register Smile and Scratch branding or something like that. Yeah, um, Smile and Scratch us. I Yeah, I guess, yep. yeah, I could do it. I could. Go get it. <laughs> we had one episode here where uh, I was talking to a guest and some name came up, something they said, and I, and I said, if you don't register this within the next week, I'll give you a week and then I'm going to go register it. <laughs> it was too good of a domain to uh, to leave out there once we realized on the air that it was uh, it was available. Um, okay, great. We've covered anything else on domains. Uh, yeah, you can also try a, a creative phrase. 
there is a condo, kind of a luxury condo uh, building in San Francisco called Lumina. And uh, again, back to these like, wow, it really hit me. It was a billboard outside the condo and it said life at Lumina.com. And that made a strong emotional connection. I see. Yep. Awesome. So there's a lot of different things you can do with the name other than misspelling it or putting a dash in it or something like that to, to have a domain that, that sticks and is effective. You can. And I have a whole chapter in my book about domain names. So the approach that so many people take of the first thing to look for is, is the domain available? You're saying stop thinking that way. Correct. The name that's good and don't shoehorn in a, a bad name just because the domain was available. Yes. Awesome. We have covered a ton here, a ton, Alexander. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. I guess I would say to the, to the guests, get Alexandra's book to get even more on this subject and uh, give her, reach out to her if you need a, an hour or two to come up with a name that doesn't suck. Um, and also on our website, there's a, you can take the smile and scratch test. There's an interactive smile and scratch test. Just click on how strong is your name? And it will walk you through the test, ask you a bunch of questions, and you can uh, just get your answer right then and there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're, I'm going to have to go right after this episode and check out and see how, how good uh, our, our name fares as well, as well as all the different product names that, that we're developing. I think that's going to be a go-to place for any new product names now. <laughs> that, that kind of thing's always fun. Um, so also, I guess, uh, check out Alexandra's book, uh, Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick. I imagine that's available on the aforementioned uh, Amazon. It is on Amazon. And when you buy it, make sure you look for the one that has the blue, Hello, My Name is, name tag, as opposed to the red one. The red is the first edition and the blue is the brand new second edition. Ah, so the red one was wrong. She fixed it. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the red information, one was right. I, I love the red one, but I decided for this book, I just wanted to change the the, the color of the name tag because I love the, co the cover of my book. So yeah, hello, my name is awesome. Blue Anytime I go to an event now where they have you wear name tags, I'm writing awesome on mine. <laughs> That's it. My name is going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm sorry. I'm stealing that from you. If you want to send me a cease and desist, go for it. <laughs> I'm going, hello, my name's awesome. It'll be free advertising for you. Um, okay. And then I imagined uh, your website, you mentioned eatmywords.com. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So go check out Alexander Watkins there and the um, eat my words company and all the great things they do. Again, remember you can get just a couple hours with her to get some good, uh, some good names moving forward. Uh, if, if you want as well, uh, check her out on uh, LinkedIn, Alexandra Watkins, and she'll come right up. And then anywhere else people to find you, you want to send them to your Twitter, put out your cell number, anything like that. Yeah. Twitter is at eat my words, but LinkedIn is definitely the place to find me. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Alexandra. This has been um, so much fun that we've really run, run a bit over here, but I think everybody will appreciate it. A lot of great content. And please do uh, check out the show notes if you want to grab any of this information on ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please, uh, again, do one of the following three. Share us on social media, tell a friend, give us a good review on iTunes. Just one out of three is good enough. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Alexandra Watkins of Eat My Words, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast where we believe if you market the shit out of it with a great product name, they will come. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider 
Mountaintop Data's Top Data Search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.